1: This isn't a scene from a television show. I think this is one man's sort of masterpiece, and I don't know that he cares if people aren't interested in what he's doing here.
2: The first three episodes of 1883 were as much of a character introduction as anything. Episode four focuses on the journey and the unbeatable antagonist They'll run headfirst into day after day. This episode is called The Crossing because it finds this group attempting to cross the Brazos River in north central Texas. That is a harrowing task, to say the least. I'm Addison Hager, and after meeting James, Margaret, and Elsa Dutton, it's fitting that we begin to see firsthand the dangers of this trip. It's all the group has talked about so far, but until the final 10 minutes of an otherwise calm episode, there was no evidence. But dang did that all change in a hurry. Billy Dukes is on hand and we both studied our nerves after a really turbulent 60 minutes of television that featured two iconic songs as in-scene soundtracks for pivotal action. Tap follow on your favorite podcast platform if you're here for the analysis and leave a five-star rating and review if you like what you've heard at the end. Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast is turning more towards 1883 now With season four of Yellowstone behind us. However, we'll revisit the finale towards the end of today's episode. There is a moment that we just flat out got wrong and it changes everything. SafaTaseofCountry.com is the email address and I'll remind you now to check out the archives for conversations with Faith Hill, Tim McGraw, and most recently, Sam Elliott. There's more to come, but I'm ready to replay the dramatic Faith Hill scene in the tender Isabel May scene, With the nerd of this show, we've also got the official answer to a key question. How are James and John Dutton related? Let's bring Billy Dukes in right now.
1: Hello, Addison!
2: Hello, Billy. You are very, very excited for an episode that is just once again left me not... With the excitement that you just said my name.
1: Another toe tapper of an episode of Yellowstone.
2: No, <sighs> oh, yeah, very, very, <sighs> yeah, very warm and fuzzy. I think the show needs to send us a box of chocolates every episode because that's what I need to eat. I need comfort food while watching this show.
1: I'll tell you what this show does now, and we're in episode four, and I think at this point, anybody who tuned in because they're a big Yellowstone fan or because they're a huge fan of Tim McGraw and Faith Hills. Like if that was your sole reason for sticking around, you're probably not gonna make it to episode five.
2: Yeah. I don't think. It, it's one of those of I, I personally feel like it's you're either in or you're out, and if you're in, you're really, really paying attention. I mean, Yellowstone this last season, season four, was like that where you have to pay attention. But I feel like eighteen eighty-three just has a whole Different and even a scene that we'll talk about later in this podcast, where it's just music and they're weaving mm-hmm. in and out of a scene. You've you've got to be paying attention.
1: It's almost like walking through an art museum.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not everybody loves art museums right off the bat, right? But when you walk through, it's a slow walk. You see a lot of things you don't recognize that you have to learn about or be familiar with, mm-hmm. and then you see those one or two pieces, sculptures, portraits, uh, towards the end of the visit, perhaps that really just just steal your imagination that you can't get out of your head for days or weeks afterwards. And that's what this show is. It's it's not like anything on on television, and it's really not like Yellowstone at all, because Yellowstone gives you so much more throughout an episode. This was a really slow-moving episode until the, the last 15 minutes.
2: Yeah, and I want to start off. There was one scene. I mean, this this entire episode is just obviously, once again, a heavy episode. But there was one sec section that I want to talk about it was when elsa locks lips with is it inez or ina how have we officially decided how to pronounce his name we're
1: going with ennis, ennis because okay. tennis is smelled, spelled uh similarly okay. but i don't think they've actually said his name yet
2: okay ennis and man i mean we saw this scene coming but billy if you would yeah. like to set up the scene where i can what what is happening here
1: well, it starts, they're kind of guarding the cattle for the night. Uh, Elsa has a, a new job with the crew that she's part of the overnight watch on the cattle. And Ennis is helping her.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it starts off with Elsa singing. She's singing to the cattle. And the song she's singing, I thought was pretty interesting. It's called Beautiful Dreamer. And, of course, I wikipedia it immediately.
3: <laughs> of course. Uh, by the way, this whole
1: entire show should be should be sponsored by Wikipedia. Because I think that's what <laughs> a lot of people are doing. You're trying to figure out these different things and what's going on. Um It's a a Roy Orbison, the Beatles, Bing Crosby helped make it famous in the 20th century. But this is a Stephen Foster song. Stephen Foster is known as the father of American music, and he lived kind of in the mid-1800s. It was released posthumously in 1862. uh, And then 20 years later, apparently Elsa knows and loves this song, so she sings it. It's kind of appropriate, kind of a little bit of a dark song. But Ennis overhears her. And they kind of flirt back and forth. He wants her to sing a little bit more. She's like, "Oh no, I shouldn't, because it's an audience." You know, she's being that, doing that whole thing that nineteenth-century women do, (laughs) as we've found out. Uh, Stop. And he uh, he throws some line at her, and she's taken away. But then he he kisses her, and then he's like, "Oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done that." And she she (laughs) says, "Do it again." So they kiss again, and then they separate. And there's Daddy James watching the whole thing go down. Incredible. And he, thinks he's gonna, he thinks he's gonna get killed.
2: <laughs> yes, I know. It's it, it, I think that's what made me laugh. Of it wasn't even, oh I'm caught. It was straight to I'm gonna I'm actually gonna be murdered right here. But I number one, Elsa Isabel May has a f- fabulous voice. I think that was that was just really cool to get to spotlight that, but yeah, that was my favorite when James starts riding up, you know, on his very, just, this is his tone of very level, you know, you're not seeing any emotion, just getting ready, okay, what, what's gonna happen, is dad gonna, protective dad gonna come around, and um yeah, just, I, I think for me, though, that, that scene when Elsa's trying to describe what kissing is, and she's, what did she say, it's, she said something about, you know, when you, or maybe James is actually the one who told her, Um he goes, Saw you swapping dinner over there. (laughs) Like, oh, that is a visual I just did not need in my head.
1: (laughs) She really waxes poetic about what kissing is like. Yes. It makes me feel like maybe we take kissing for granted here in 21st century America. It's like okay. I I never really (laughs) thought of it like that. Like, sure, there's great powerful kisses that we've all had. But I've never like Written a full page stanza and verse and meter about a special kiss.
2: Right. Well, and she, I mean, her character is known for very poetic, you know, she'll, she narrates this thing. And so I just think it's funny that, you know, she is so poetic as she's describing the scenes around her and their travel west. But yeah, was not expecting a similar theme to be had when she decided to describe her kissing and this is kind of where we start to see okay this love is blooming and clearly Elsa's here for it.
1: And Ennis isn't quite as shady as maybe I had pegged him on. Like he's a little bit more innocent and naive or at least he's playing the I love part it. around Elsa. Like he's not too aggressive and I kind of thought maybe he was that guy who was gonna be a little bit aggressive but that hasn't proved to be the case he seems some he seems sincere
2: I know and I, and I really like it because I do think that pairing like if he had come in all macho and um a little shady not to say that we're not going to figure that out at some point but as of now it seems like he's a little bit more innocent where like i said with the heaviness of the episodes i think it gives a little bit of um lightheartedness and kind of a oh you know what i mean instead of a i'm ready to strangle his neck because he's doing her wrong like as of right now it seems very innocent like you said and, and i think i I've, i'm excited to watch that more
1: I think the heart of this episode revolves around the river crossing that comes later. But can we can we talk about something else that happened kind of towards the beginning of the episode? It is a discovery made by Elsa. She discovers yes. something critical to her
2: journey. Yes, she discovers pants, which for pants. me, I'm like, <laughs> pants. Who would have who thought? And it's like a, she kind of had a really haggle for pants, too. It's, they're not, yeah. you know a luxury over there. She she literally overpaid. But I also get it. I'm like, okay, girl, yeah, practical. You have this heavy dress on that I'm like standing. It looks like you could sweat for days. So totally practical. But man, that scene was funny where she went up to I don't was it a, a gypsy that she went up to or?
1: It was just one of the immigrants who yep. was making pants for her husband. And in fairness, I think she probably knew what pants were. But she right. didn't know how to okay, say it yeah. in, the, in German language or whatever language uh, they were speaking. They call them pantalones, which is uh, Spanish, if I'm not mistaken. That's not German.
3: Yes. But either way.
1: It is.
2: <laughs> Continue. But still, yeah. Well, still. And I think, yeah, with the woman being so confused of like, who were they, you know, why are you asking for pants? Which, once again, you know, seeing that um, time of that's not what woman, women wore. And uh, once again, Elsa's is pushing that envelope of the social norm. The
1: differentiating thing about this series has been that it's kind of seen through the eyes of a woman. And that's really unique for a Western. Mm-hmm. But I think with this episode, we're, we're seeing that it's not only through the eyes of a woman – it's really the female cast members and characters who are dominating and are are yeah. stealing the scenes. Um and not just Elsa. Faith Hill I thought gives her best performance to date. Mm. And really mm-hmm. this was this was Faith and Elsa's episode and I kind of wonder if this isn't their show, which is just mind-blowing to me because in the beginning we had Faith kind of almost wondered if Faith was just going to be kind of buried because she didn't have acting experience. When the exact opposite is true. Like, she is all over this, and she is tremendous in her scenes.
2: Yeah. I mean, do you wish that you did see more Tim, or do you kind of like the pacing and cadence that there is now?
1: I like it as it is now. I think we're getting a good mix of both. And and Tim's character is not really as... You know, he's James Dutton's almost like John Dutton, where... He's a great character and he's a bedrock character, but he doesn't light up the screen when he's on screen in the way that a Beth Dutton or Rip Wheeler dude in Yellowstone. Like he, he's just necessary. He's strong. But you kind of tune in to see what Beth's up to. And I mm-hmm. think in these cases, you tune in to see what else is up to and to what Margaret are, are up to as well.
3: And speaking of
2: Faith's acting and her as a character, I would say that this episode was one where she kind of finds herself. You know, before now, she's, I wouldn't say happy-go-lucky, but definitely, you know, she's along for the ride. She's doing what she's doing. She's, you know, going through the motions. And this was an episode that you kind of see her really, really grapple with. No, this is hard. And these emotions I've kind of suppressed to you know just get to the next step or now budding to the surface and you know just really really breaking um and just kind of coming to terms with like no this is this is hard and you see that when uh and I don't know if you want to set up the scene first or or I can set up the beginning of the scene where pretty much Tim Faith and their son or Margaret James and John Senior uh, right. cross cross the river before everyone else. Uh, the night before, they're all supposed to cross it, and uh, it's dark. And so Faith's character is already going. This is hard as she's watching James go across on the horse and she can tell it's deep. And so her character with the wagon and, uh, you know, she goes through, gets to the other side, tells James cover John senior's ears pretty much because I don't want him to hear this, but says to James, this is really hard.
1: Well, she's sharing her doubts. She has Mm -hmm. doubts for the first time. And we hadn't seen that yet. Uh, the river that they're attempting to cross is the Brazos river and, the issue is there's kind of a big drop off fairly close to the area they chose to drop uh, to cross. Uh, it's about chest deep otherwise, and none of the immigrants can swim and there's a lot of children, um, so they have to get these horses and wagons over, but they can't go too far downstream because that's where the drop off is and that's presumably where everything would wash away and the immigrants would drown. So it's a really, really challenging thing and, and Faith realizes that and she she has doubts about it and it. You know, she doesn't get a lot of consolation from her husband. He's like, "Well, I told you it was going to take everything we had." Uh, You know, an arm around the shoulder might have been a little bit of a (laughs) a little more sympathetic move there, but um, or an I understand here for that, (laughs) Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, he's a uh, he's a man of his times, I guess. Yeah. Um, and she's right. I mean, they cross at night and it's hard, but they get across safely. Mm-hmm. The next day, the immigrants have to all kind of cross. But before they do, a lot of them have to empty their wagons. And as we find out, uh, they were carrying dressers, uh, bed frames. One guy had a full piano. Like their wagons were tremendously heavy and weren't going mm-hmm. to make it across this river. So they end up leaving all this, this, I guess is essentially going to be garbage. It's this furniture on the other side of the river that just someone can come along and pick up. And then they attempt to cross. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't go well for the most part. Um, most people cross, but I think I counted three graves being dug mm-hmm. at the end of the episode, including the woman who Faith unintentionally, intentionally killed
2: when Margaret goes back into the water on, she's horseback at this point, And even I think it was Tim James who said, you know, be careful. They'll, they'll try to pull you down. Meaning the people who are washing away, obviously, cause they're scared they're drowning. So they're just trying to grasp onto anything, which I mean, you hear a lot of times when people are trying to drown them, you know, you could sometimes drown someone else, but, um, so anyways, faith co- goes into the water to try to save this woman. And, um, Pretty much ends up the woman to grab her to, you know, grab a hold of something knocks Faith off the horse. And so now they're just pretty much toppling over each other in the water. And Faith, yeah, ends up drowning this woman to get away from her. Which, and we kind of talked about this before we had hit record. But that it did seem a little severe of Faith drowning her instead of trying to just push her off.
1: It seemed like she made a decision at mm-hmm. that point. Like, mm-hmm. it, she wasn't reacting to something. She was like, okay, I see how this is going to go. You're not going to make it because I want to make it with my family. Like, she made yeah. a, a business decision, I guess Yeah. you could call it. It did. It seemed kind of intentional, but I don't know necessarily that it was wrong. Like, she might only be be alive because of that. Yeah. It's a, it's a good yeah. ethical question, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I mean... I haven't really talked to anybody who almost drowned or was in that sort of situation, but I think you probably have to be kind of aggressive to to save your own life at that point where you realize it's one or the other coming out of this river. There's no way around it.
2: Well, and when she came out of the river is when you just see her acting just, it went to a different level and she pretty much implodes with emotion and she's striking the ground and crying and wailing and yelling and, uh, you know, feeling every single emotion from what just happened, but not just what just happened, but everything leading up until that point. And man, as an actor, this is where she delivered.
1: The most fascinating thing about this scene is something we haven't even mentioned yet, is that you don't hear sound of any of this action taking place. And if people have been watching Yellowstone and watched all of season four, you can think back to episode three of this current season when they seek their revenge on the militia and the SWAT and the FBI, and you don't hear that gunfire and that screaming and that attack. That entire scene is set to Coulter Wall's song, Sleeping on the Blacktop. They do something very similar here, but they build the song right into the action and right into the plot. And this, to me, was absolutely stunning. I'm not going to forget this 10 minutes of television for a long, long time. I mean, it was, Elsa discovers the piano, and as we find out, she can play piano. We didn't know that, so she sits down to play, and she starts playing this piano interlude. and, And then it cuts to the beginning of the river crossing, and it goes back and forth to Elsa and the river crossing. So all we're hearing is Elsa... On this piano, as we see these scenes cut in of the drownings and people uh, struggling to get across and the pain and the agony, the song they use is the first part of Beethoven's Moonlight uh, Sonata. Uh, I didn't know that. I actually Shazamed <laughs> to find out I, who knew that Shazam would pick up Beethoven songs, but it, it, it did. certainly did. Uh, and then I went back and listened to the Beethoven original, and it's actually like a 15-minute long song and like three or four did. different movements. That Beethoven guy, he can, really, he can really tickle them. I don't know. if you know, you
2: <laughs> He's here for the long haul.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think he, there's some more there, but they just used the first part, which is this slow kind of dramatic part that Elsa's playing it. Man, it's super emotional to watch her play that, and she's overcome with tears. Really powerful.
2: And she starts the scene where Ennis says, you know, do you play? And she said, you know, not anymore. Kind of this realization of things changing and stuff that she used to know and used to do is no longer her the ways of life now. And so I think that, too, of going in with that knowledge and watching her play and then watching it go throughout all the different scenes of the immigrants trying to cross the river. Yeah, like you said, just made for a really—you you felt— at least I left feeling a lot of different emotions of, you know, kind of this sorrowfulness of what she's leaving behind and knowing what they're about to head into, watching, you know, Faith and have to drown someone. It's just, it's, it's a lot of, it's different emotions. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really, I I think it just really, really emphasizes, I think sometimes, you know, when you have... If, if we could hear it all, I think sometimes it's hard to like fully, at least for me, fully process where, you know, you're just with that music, like they had it, you're not also focusing on the yelling and all that. You're focusing just on the action without, I just, I just think it, it holds different weight. And that was really beautifully done.
1: Shay refers to this earlier in the episode too about how these people who were carpenters and blacksmiths and musicians aren't that mm-hmm. anymore. Right now they're pioneers. And that's Mm -hmm. all they are. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: Elsa seems to reaffirm her understanding of that, at least, that she she's not able to play these great classical piano songs anymore and sing at a high level anymore because she's a pioneer. That's what she is now. Mm -hmm. Like, she has to forget. She has an understanding of that that many of the immigrants don't.
2: Well, and thankfully, good ol' Ennis, you know, we have this really (laughs) happy scene, and then to add a little bit comedic relief after this entire moment (laughs) happens, it gets silent, Elsa is done, she's wiping tears away, and he goes, you know any happy ones? (laughs) You know, and he just, like, (laughs) Ennis with the wrench of humor after that scene just happened.
1: (laughs) You know this goes back to something we were talking about earlier though how how this show like it is not going to be everybody's cup of tea we had 45 minutes of build up <laughs> for this 10 minutes it's yeah. it's a show that's not commercial it's it's indie it's it's art you know these and these immigrants they unpacked their wagons and there's all this furniture thrown all thrown all over you know all these collectibles just sort of tossed away like we toss aside a, a candy bar wrapper and so by the time Elsa sits down like She's literally playing piano amongst like what you would think of as like litter. It's sort of like this prairie apocalypse behind her, and I mean, she, and you you listen to it, you can hear the cattle, and you can hear her 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 bench creaking, and and there's a few out of tune notes, and then we see this desperate situation a hundred yards away of these these immigrants, and these immigrants were all punished for trying how to learn how to swim in their own country. Like the they would literally whip the dead bodies to prove a point about swimming in their home country of germany i gotta believe taylor sheridan did his historical research on that and came up with that one so none of them knew how to swim it was just a a desperate scene you know we see scenes of their daughters calling out mama as their Mm -hmm. mothers are drowning yeah Yeah, this isn't a scene from a television show I, i think this is one man's sort of masterpiece and i don't know that he cares if people aren't interested in what he's doing here like this is his vision and it's daring and it's dynamic and it you know it's, it's so many things that television and movies aren't. Um, it, it's gonna live with me a really long time that scene. it, it, it was it, it was almost kind of like walking through an art gallery and seeing this scene up on a wall somewhere. Um, really beautifully done.
2: Well, I will say that scene left me going. Woof, we have a long way to go on this journey. (laughs) Well, let's talk about that because,
1: I mean, no, the Brazos River, like, from Fort Wayne, if you were in good shape and ambitious, Mm -hmm. you could ride your bike to the Brazos River. (laughs) And they got to get to Montana. So we're four episodes into what presumably is a 10-episode show, (laughs) and we haven't even traveled hundred miles? Like, yeah. We have a long way to go here.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm leaving these episodes going, oh my gosh, I need a deep breath over here. Like, I'm exhausted and I'm just watching it. Oh my gosh. Like, at what point, yeah, do we hit the fast forward button that they get a little trot and aren't, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> we need a 20 second travel montage that kind of gets yeah. them up into Nebraska. Yeah,
0: I'll tell you one thing my wife did do. <laughs>
1: do. <laughs> What'd you do? See, and this is, this is this I mean, this is where I think a lot of people who watch the show you're trying to figure out where they're headed. So we googled things like cattle trails in late <laughs> nineteenth no, century Texas. Oh, <laughs> it definitely did. I got a map I'm looking at right here that shows oh many gosh. different cattle trails. That's amazing. And I believe they're probably headed to the Western Trail, which okay. ran from like the Mexico border all the way up into well, right to the Union Pacific Rail line. In Nebraska, and according to this map, it was active from 1876 to 1884. I think that's where they're headed. I okay. think that's what we're you heard <laughs> it
2: first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like how they do at Christmas, where you can f- follow Santa. We're gonna follow the cattle trail of 1883. We'll let you
1: guys know. <laughs> <laughs> so much, so much longer to go on this.
2: <sighs> so much distance. Yeah, I don't. Oof. I definitely, I come in mentally prepared
3: every episode at this, at this four episodes in. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
0: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense.
3: Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And on
2: that note, Billy, are we ready for us to stop stop talking? And, well, I guess we'll keep talking, but our opinions are on the shelf, and now we're getting to the fan Q&A.
1: Let's do it. Who do we got this week?
2: Okay, starting on Apple Podcasts, and I will say, if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly or if this is not the username I am so, so sorry ahead of time. Um, Username at die-yay writes, I love all the recaps and opinions of my two favorite TV shows. It's also weird hearing my high school friend's name mentioned LaMonica Garrett. So proud of him. He is consistently one of the kindest, sincerest people I'd known. Keep the podcast up. It's a great fix for the time I have to wait in between episodes. Oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah, I went to high school with LaMonica Garrett, oh. which means... I wonder where LaMonica Garrett is from. Cue up Wikipedia, the <laughs> yeah, unofficial here's, sponsor
2: here's, of 1883. Please dun, 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 While Billy goes and Googles.
1: <laughs> he is from San Francisco, California. <laughs> oh. During high school, he was a football player. Oh. Uh, he went to...
2: Love a good Cali boy.
1: Burbank. Burbank High School mm-hmm. is where he uh, graduated Go Bulldogs.
2: (laughs) Go Bulldogs. Oh,
1: but no, I, 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 that's the mascot. I do appreciate, (laughs) I do appreciate the positive feedback there from Apple Podcasts as well. That's just a a really nice thing. And, and and I, I think that's what we're trying to be is kind of like a little bit of a a fix for either Yellowstone or 1883 between episodes and kind Mm of, I I don't know, figure some things out that maybe you just didn't catch when you watched only uh, one time.
2: And speaking of, Yellowstone this last season, um, Denise emailed us about the Beth and Carter moment from episode 10 that we've kind of talked about a little bit on the, the our last Yellowstone podcast. She writes, I disagree with the discussion that you had about Carter and Beth. I think Beth could be open to having him as a child. But in this episode, Beth said to Jamie she was at peace with the idea of ending it all to resolve... I mean, to solve the attack information. So
1: I also want to get to our big faux pas from oh, um, yes. our last episode analysis of Yellowstone. But yes. her point is that she purposely and intentionally rebuffed Carter because she knew that she might end up in jail by the end of the episode because she was going to go try to kill Jamie or, or uh, Riggins or whomever. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a good theory. I, I think that's to be seen. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe she will be sensitive to him down the line. But I don't know if she's going to let him call him Mama.
2: Yeah, I, I don't. I think Mama is R.I.P. But, yes, great, great point.
1: So we'll we really see. messed up um, uh, uh, talking about the Vision Quest scene from that episode. Mm-hmm. When we said that Monica... Uh, Casey's wife appears with him in, in kind of a seductive way during his vision. That mm. wasn't Monica. That was Avery, <sighs> which know. totally changes the vision. Totally, we missed that. A dozen people or so emailed or pointed that out, and I apologize for, for we just kicked that one and, and didn't see it properly. But yeah, that he had that girl on his mind, which means <sighs> you know, maybe he had a. Maybe you had a little something thinking there. Oh, Maybe season five of, can't this do well. this to
2: me. Uh I know. I I'm i I'm a little I'm worried.
1: <laughs> well, listen here. I don't think there's a married guy around who hasn't at some point during the course of his marriage had another woman kind of spinning around in his head a little bit. I don't think it's all that dangerous. And this did come as he was trying to purge all these sort of negative thoughts.
2: Okay, purging at negative thoughts, I get, but then we have to think also about when he said, "I saw the end of us." When Monica asked him, "What'd you see?" I'm just saying, yeah. two plus two. it's just not, it's just not looking so great.
1: I didn't like the theory that one of his two paths included Avery, but our our coworker mm-hmm. Sterling Whitaker pointed out something interesting that his two paths could have been, and this makes sense. One path. That includes him with Monica staying together, and Monica gets killed. Uh, and, or another path where they separate to spare her life, but he ends up with Avery.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a it's a really, really, really good theory. One that obviously the either way is that it's not gonna leave us necessarily with a happy happy moment. But when does Yellowstone ever do that? So yeah those are both plausible, or I thought does she die in childbirth, but
1: with the baby,
2: yeah, with the baby, right, and then yeah Avery so we'll have in.
1: he'll have a baby and he'll have Tate, yeah mm-hmm. I don't see him leaving his whole family just to spare her life because he saw this vision, like
3: surely, not. I don't know
1: that 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 seems extreme, but um we'll see maybe maybe Avery's the new girl. <sighs>
2: Well, I'm not known. moving on i can't i can only emotionally take only so much from these shows. fair, enough, okay, fair enough we're just gonna for sure table that one okay holly writes do you want to add another loose end where the hell is lucky the horse which one which one is lucky the
1: horse <laughs> it's uh, tate's horse uh, uh, oh Tate. my
2: gosh
1: this was, this was the big deal that early on in seasons one or two, Tate wanted his own horse, and then he had to care for it, <laughs> and, um, and that's how, actually, he ends up getting kidnapped, is he forgets to lock the gate or to feed the horse, so before he and John are having dessert, Tate goes out to do it, and he ends up getting kidnapped, and we have not seen or heard from Lucky the Horse yet. Other <laughs> than, just last month, the actor Breckin Merrill posted, like, this moody sort of really dramatic picture of him with the horse Uh and there was no caption it kind of almost looks like the horse died which i don't think is true it wasn't true in the show we never saw like a lucky the horse death scene (laughs) right
2: right right Uh, right.
1: but i don't know if that horse come back
2: (laughs) oh man well thanks holly for sending that in that's a really that was a good even though i didn't need another loose end that was a good loose end to remind us of
1: So, Monday on YouTube, we have a video coming of Loose Ends. All the loose, the best loose ends from Yellowstone Mm -hmm. thus far. And Lucky is included, as is my favorite character, Lugnut Boy.
2: Oh my gosh, you and the Lugnut Boy, not surprised. But I'm really glad we are putting that one to rest and we are getting it out there.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't have any new information about Lugnut Boy, but I did craft a nice theory (laughs) on what might have happened to... It's um, mostly fictional. Okay, it's entirely fictional. I created it out of, out of thin air. But
2: <laughs> yeah, I was like, plausible. "Mostly, Billy, like, come on." Okay.
1: <laughs> plausible.
2: <laughs> we'll leave it at that.
1: <laughs> one before we go, one thing I wanted to mention and I and I hope people don't miss this is Taylor Sheridan finally confirmed the relationship between James Dutton and John Dutton. James is John's great great grandfather. So there is that extra generation between there. Mm-hmm. And That makes a lot more sense. So now John's dad wasn't like 110 when he died and because there was someone else in there. But I thought that was important. Finally, someone pinned him down on that. If someone can pin him down on Lugnut Boy, I'd really, (laughs) the Yellowstone Nation would really appreciate it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If you guys could add that to your to-do list, well, (laughs) Billy specifically would be very eternally grateful. Me, I haven't lost sleep over this, but clearly if you've been watching or if you've been listening to our podcast, this is on Billy's mind. All he's got to do is just put, like,
1: drop a little note, a little tweet of Lugnut Boy living his life happily with his father somewhere. And I think everybody yes. would be uh, would feel like at peace.
2: At Billy Dukes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Steph at Tasupcountry.com is the email address if you'd like to share a thought or question with Billy or me. And yes, it is us answering each email. Thanks, Billy. That's it for today's Dutton Rules podcast. Look for more interview content in just a few days, and another episode breakdown after episode 5 debuts, plus search the archives for compelling conversations with Sam Elliott, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, and many cast members from Yellowstone. I'm Addison Haker, and be sure to tap follow and give Dutton Rules a rating and review before you split. Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast, is written by myself and Billy Dukes, and produced by Billy Dukes. A special thanks to Denise, Holly, and everyone who emailed and messaged this week. You truly do keep us honest, and the show is better for it. As always, Dutton rules in another great Townsville Media podcast.
3: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do
0: it?